Find two places in your Bible. Find Hebrews chapter 11. And find Psalm 39. We're going to start out in Psalms. Psalm 39. Look, look here at uh, Psalm 39. And it's a Psalm of David to the chief musician. There's about 58 of these Psalms of David to the chief musician. The Psalms were originally sang as worship. They were sang in service. Amen. And David the king would simply tell, uh, like uh, uh, Jimmy Dungey would be the chief musician. He's the, he's the one that leads us in the singing. Uh, king David would say, sing Psalm 39 today. Amen. So it's just merely that, hey, there's somebody overseeing this whole thing. Amen. And with us, it's the man of God. It's the pastor. Amen. Well, Psalm 39, and read from verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. That word musing, it's the opposite of of amused. Amused is you're not thinking, you're being entertained. Musing is you're meditating. You're pondering. I mean, you're in some deep thought. Amen. I was musing uh, while the while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord. Here's what he's musing about. Make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Of course, you know what selah means. That means muse, ponder, think, meditate. Amen. Don't just read it. See, he, he, uh, he's musing, and he's telling us that's what we ought to do, is we ought to be musing, pondering, thinking, okay? Now, look at verse 6. Surely every man walketh in, vain, in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches... And knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. I'm looking at something in verse 5, but I read all that in context. But in verse 5, David says, Behold, thou hast made my days as in hand breath. Here's David the king. Now, 
What's he musing about? He's musing about the fact that his life's going to come to an end. That's the context. He's thinking about his life's going to come to an end. You know, we don't think about that. Well, when you came to church tonight, it could have been your last time coming. When you go home, you might not make it. Amen. We don't think about the fact that our life's coming to an end. It's something we ought to muse about. We ought to ponder. You know, we think we're invincible. You know, we think every day the sun's coming up, that life's going to go on. Well, you're quiet tonight. He's pondering the fact that his life's going to come to an end. He mentions there a couple of different times. There at the end of verse 4, that I may know how frail I am. And in verse 6, surely every man walketh in vain. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And notice now again, and now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Uh, the king is pondering the fact that that he's going to leave out of here. Amen. You know, I believe if we really mused on that, our life would be different. Our priorities would be different. Our faithfulness would be different. If we would muse on that and ponder that. See, we're frail. Uh, you know, this, this, everything about us is temporary. The only thing that lives on is the soul. This old flesh is temporary. Where you live is temporary. The car you drive is temporary. Amen. Uh, the... The food that we eat is temporary. Amen. Uh, we're going to leave out of here. Amen. That, you, you understand, that's what David's pondering. That's what he's musing. That's what he's meditating upon. Look in Hebrews. Hebrews 9, I mentioned Hebrews 11, but you know Hebrews 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed... Under men wants to die, but after this, the judgment. You, nobody talks about dying. I mean, if you met somebody and he's talking about happy death, Mary dying, you think, boy, he's a strange one. Amen. But hey, we're dying every day. Physically, our soul, our, our flesh is dying every day. Now, spiritually, we're supposed to die every day to the flesh. Amen. But uh, you're not going to live forever in that body. Amen. David said, help me to know my end. Well, that'd be a good thing to know, your end. Where are you going to be when time ends? 
Where are you going to be when the death angel knocks on your door? Where are you going to be when you take your last breath? You know, we think we're going to live forever. The psalmist, also in Psalm 90, the psalmist said that, uh, you know, if we're blessed, we might see three score and ten years, seventy years. After that, everything's grace. I've been in grace for four years. <laughs> Do the math. If we're really best, we might see four score years. And of course, the, the idea is, what are, what are 80 years compared to eternity? I mean, we're preparing much for this land, for this life, for what we do here. When we ought to be planning what we're going to do after this ends. Amen. Something's going to take us out. Look, look in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And look, you know, Hebrews 11, it's, it's, it's the whole chapter is, is, some call it God's hall of faith. Everyone mentioned in Hebrews 11 is mentioned because of some, something they did by faith. Okay? But one, one you don't hear a whole lot about, but he's still listed here. Is, is you find in verse 21. Hebrews 11, verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying. Well, there's that dying again. Richard, you're morbid tonight. Can't you get a little happier? Amen. Jacob, when he was a dying... Blessed both the sons of Joseph, notice now, and worshipped, leaning upon the the top of his staff. Now, we read that, we could read over it and miss everything that uh, we're reading here in Hebrews 11. What do you mean, preacher? Uh, It talks about Jacob when he was a dying. That see, he, the psalmist talked about knowing his end. Jacob knew his end. When you think about Jacob, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? The finagler? The trickster? Boy, he finagled his brother Esau out of the birthright, you know, the birthright. With his mother's help, he finagled his father and finagled Esau again out of the blessing of the firstborn. Amen. Uh, I mean, when you, when you ponder Jacob's life up to this point, you know, uh, what's happening is, is he's, he's making Esau pretty mad. Esau's mad enough to kill him. So his mama sends him to, you know, with, 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 with Isaac, you know, talking with Isaac. They send him to her homeland. 
to fetch a bride. Okay? Now, you know how the, on the journey, Jacob, when he gets there, he sees Rachel. Well, can, can you remember when you first saw her? Amen. Amen. Barbara was just 16. She don't like me to tell it. But I saw her and I didn't see anything else. I watched her till she got out of sight. Turned to the person by me. I said, who is that? That's my friend Barb. Do you want to meet her? I said, boy, do I. Hey, <laughs> man. Hey, when Jacob saw Rachel, I mean, he was smitten. It was over. I mean, he was in love. Okay. Well, Laban tells him, well, if you'll work seven years, I'll give you, I'll give you Rachel. I mean, he's so smitten, the Bible says, those seven years seemed as nothing. Amen. I, I, I tease some of these young people. I'm glad, I'm glad for the young married couples. Amen. But before they got married, I tease them. How many days now? How many days? And sometimes the fellas would scratch their head, but them girls knew. Amen. Hey, they seemed as nothing, seven years. But then you know what takes place. Uh, the fact, finagler is finagled. And he wakes up with Leah. Now, Jacob wasn't interested in Leah. He didn't want Leah. I mean, she's not what he worked for. I mean, he's, he's pretty upset. So, uh, Laban tells him, you work another seven years and I'll give you Rachel. So, he worked a total of 14 years for the two wives. And then after he fulfilled that, he worked another six years with Laban changing his wages. Well, they made an agreement. That certain cattle would be Jacob's and certain would be Laban's and certain sheep would be Jacob's. And so you're getting the thought? Amen. And God blessed Jacob. Isn't it wonderful? No matter where you're out, God blesses his people. God blessed Jacob. Amen. He ends up with the wealth of Laban. And this thing moves on and and uh, God wakes uh, Jacob up after 20 years. He wakes him up and says, boy, it's time to go home. So Jacob wakes those wives and concubines and all them children and, and, and tells them, says, you start packing. I'm going down here to get the U-Haul camels. God says, time to go home. <laughs> Amen. So he's, he's making his way home. When Laban wakes up, his sons tell him, he's gone, that boy's gone, took everything. Like he didn't earn it, you know. He just took everything. Well, now Laban's mad enough to kill him. And he, he pursues after him, 
But you know how God stays his hand. Tell us, you, you can't hurt him. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm not quoting the verse, but, it, you know, if you, if, you, if you know the story, it's something like this. That when Laban gets to Jacob, he says, uh, boy, you ought to thank the Lord big time because I fixed and put a hurt on you. Amen. Well, uh, I, I, Laban leaves. And no sooner does Laban leave than he, he gets word. Here comes, here comes Esau. Now, how did he leave Esau? Bad enough to kill him. He, he could write a book on how to make friends. <laughs> Amen. Well, but Esau, he's forgot all that. And so he, here, comes, here comes Jacob. Now, God blesses Jacob. Okay. But now you and I know that Joseph was his favorite son. And the other brothers hated him. And they put him in the pit. I, I, I know, maybe I'm, I need to cut some of this out. But it's from the pit to the palace. But my, it was quite a journey. Amen. Well, uh, Joseph interprets the butler's dream, the baker's dream. So that when Pharaoh has his dream, Jacob, uh, Joseph is brought up before him to interpret the dream. There'd be seven years of plenteousness, followed by seven years of dearth, famine. So severe, won't even appear like you had the prosperous years. Well, that affected everybody. It affected Jacob. It affected his sons. Okay? So, uh, Jacob's mourning all these years. Over Joseph and then his brothers, you know, they go to buy bread and all that. I'll shorten it up. Okay. So they bring Joseph to, uh, uh, bring Jacob to Joseph in Egypt. And Jake, Joseph gives Jake, Jacob and his brothers Goshen. And God blesses Israel there in Goshen. Am I right? Amen. Well, here's what I want to get to, though, to back up to where when, when, when Esau came, Jacob couldn't finagle. He was brought to a place he couldn't work it out. So he set the family in order, and he got along with God, and, and wrestled, he wrestled with the man. We know who it was, the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord said to Jacob, let, let me go. And Jacob said, I'll not let you go lest you bless me. Well, that's another whole message. Okay. But uh, in that passage of Scripture, uh, the Lord changed Jacob's name to Israel. But also in that passage... He, he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. Now that's important. Jacob had run this far in his own strength, not giving any attention to the Lord, not even pondering the brevity of life. Jacob's living for Jacob. But now he, he can't run anymore in his own strength. He leaned on a staff all the remaining days of his life. 
Here's what I'm getting to here in, right here in this passage. Jacob's mentioned because it says when he was a dying, uh, by faith when Jacob was a dying, uh, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. From I believe from the time that God touched his thigh, all the remaining days he's leaning on the staff, that it changed his whole outlook on life to where it was no longer about Jacob. But now it's about the angel of the Lord. It's about the Lord and what the Lord's going to do. Amen. Uh, From this point on, Jacob is a man who has power with, with God, but also with man. Where are you headed, preacher? To this. Okay. Everywhere now, he's given the land of Goshen. But now, everywhere that Jacob went, he, he's hobbling on that staff. You getting the picture? He's a hobbling on the staff. But every time he's putting that staff down, he's telling everybody around him, there is a God. And he is real. And here's what he's done for me. Amen. Now, if you go to Genesis 49, you'll find that he's dealing with his sons. And then in chapter 50, Jacob's there, Jacob dies in Genesis 50. And when Jacob died there in Egypt, in Goshen, here, the whole nation of Egypt mourned his death for 70 days. I'd say that's pretty good testimony. When you've got a heathen nation mourning your death, that's a pretty good testimony. You follow it on through and you find as you go through the Bible, you get into the book of Numbers. And you read in the book of Numbers about Balaam, the hireling. How that Balak hired him to curse the children of Israel. And you get down in there where there's a conversation between Balaam and Balak. And they're actually are arguing because Balak hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And you know that God wouldn't allow him to curse the children of Israel. They went through the motions. They, you know, set up the altars and cut up the sacrifices. And when it came down to it, Balaam pronounced a blessing upon the children of Israel. Well, in Numbers chapter uh, 21, I believe, no, yeah, 21, 21. There's a phrase in there where Balaam's talking about Jacob. And something about, can you number the dust of Jacob? Meaning how God had blessed him, all the descendants of Jacob. And then he throws in this phrase where he says to Balak, he says, let me die the death of the righteous. 
Jacob died the death of the righteous. Jacob went out worshiping God. Jacob went out with a testimony for the Lord. Jacob realized who it was that brought him as far as he'd gotten. Amen. So what's your point? Well, as we're musing, I think our prayer ought to be, let me die the death of the righteous. We're going to, we're, we're headed out of here. We might as well head out of here right. In other words, I've already told Pastor Logan that, you know, when I, when, when I, when I die, here we are talking about death. When I die, I said, I want, I want the funeral right here. I'm going to be laid out in the church. I'm a local church evangelist. I'm going to be laid out in the church. Amen. Okay. But now, as people go by, I don't want them saying, well, I'm glad he's gone. I want to leave the right kind of testimony. My time's short. You remember where Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, redeeming the time? I know the reasoning was for the days are evil. But could we not apply it too? Because the days are short. Or to make the days count. Why? Because they're short. We're going out of here. When we go out, I want to go out right. Well, there's the death of the righteous. We're going to leave out. We're all leaving out. Are you with me? We're all coming to an end. We're all leaving out. Well, look at Hebrews 11 again. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 10. Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 10. Just a page over. And look with me here. Uh, Look at verse 28. Verse 28. He that despised Moses' law... Notice these words. Died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm I'm redeemed. I want to die the death of the righteous. Amen. Okay. I want to be like Jacob. If I'm leaning on a staff, I want to lean on it to his glory. I remember your daddy, sister. He had had that big old walking stick. Boy, he wasn't afraid to worship, was he? He went out of worshiping. I mean, everybody knew when her dad was in the service. Amen. He wanted everybody to know. He was was ready to go. Amen. Okay. But now, there's not only the death of the righteous. Something's going to take you out. There's also those who die without mercy. Boy, if you think this life is rough. You die without mercy and you're going to find out what it is. As far as being rough. You know, there's a lot of people that are going to die without mercy. And they're not even aware of it. That's why you can witness to them and talk to them and 
and give them a track and invite them to church and they can sit here preaching. It's like water rolling off a duck's back. Not even aware, not even giving any thought. They think they're going to live on forever. Died without mercy. Can I give you a couple of illustrations? You remember, again, in the Old Testament book of Numbers, it talks about Korah and Dathan and Abiram. Boy, they came up, that's, they came up to the man of God, Moses. Well, I can't imagine anybody coming up to the man of God like they did. They come up and they said, uh, said you take too much on you, Moses. Seeing all the congregations holy. Well, they had a truth, but they're bypassing God's uh, command, God's way of, God's order. Hey, the congregation might be holy, but God leads through His man. Maybe I need to do that again. God leads by His man. God doesn't operate by committee. That's man's doings. You know what committee is? I've told you before. I'll tell you again. I heard this, I heard this years back. Uh, uh, a Baptist committee, uh, you know what it is? Uh, oh, no. Okay, back up. You know what a camel is? It's a horse put together by a Baptist committee. They can't get it right. They're out of order. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. That's why God gives us a man of God. Hey, Brent Logan, I don't know how old he is, uh, but he's just in his 50s. I probably got him by 20 years. Maybe more, that's scary. (laughs) But he's he's a very wise man. Beyond his own knowledge. You know where that comes from? It comes from the Lord. That's, that's what the Lord does with the man of God. But they said, you take too much on you. So Moses got before the congregation of Israel. And, and again, I'm not quoting it. But it's, 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 it's essentially this. He's telling the congregation of Israel. Uh, look, you do well to separate from Korah and Dathan and Abiram. He, he, he does say in there, for if these men should die the common death, what are we talking about? Death. It's common. We're all going out. What Moses is saying, if these, if these die just, but you know, what they used to write, they'd say natural causes, died of natural causes. That's before they come up with some of these other terms. What's your point? Everybody's going out. Everybody's going out. If these men go out by natural causes, you might listen to them. But he said, I'm telling you, God's going to show himself. And the best thing you can do is separate from them. And sure enough, you know what happened. The congregation separated and there's Korah and Dathan and Byram. What, what did they do? What did they do? Come on now. What did they do? 
They come up against the man of God. All they did was, all they did, I'm trying to emphasize the point. All they did was come up against the man of God. See, we think that's, what's wrong with that? We all have opinions. But opinions don't help you. You know what opinions are? They're like noses. Everybody has one, they all smell. What are you saying? I'm saying, hey, they, they all fell into the pit alive. They died without mercy. Uh, there was no second opportunity. They didn't get to change their mind. It's pretty quick. The judgment was set and they were gone. Well, we've got time yet, preacher. Cora didn't. Byron didn't. Dathan didn't. I'll give you another one. I'm rambling too much. You remember, you remember the uh, rich man and Lazarus? Hey, Lazarus died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The very next verse, very next verse. The rich man died also. He, hate, he, he hated Lazarus. Not just because he was a pauper. Because Lazarus was aware he wanted to die the death of the righteous. He was a witness. He was a testimony. When that rich man died, you know what he's begging for? It wasn't a drop of water. We make much of the water. But you look at the passage. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Notice. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. No mercy in hell. No mercy after the grave. No second opportunities. I preached my dad's funeral. It wasn't easy. Uh, but all of my dad's brothers were there. And his sisters. And boy, I... You know, I gave I gave I gave him a clear gospel witness. Amen. I can remember those uncles filing out after the funeral. They all called me shorty. Not that I was that short. I was just short compared to my brother. My brother were he was he was head and shoulders taller than me. He was like King Saul, and I was like little David. So they called me shorty. My uncle said, Shorty, you sure give us a lot to think about. They were musing. They were pondering. But you know what's, what's sad? None of them acted on it. Not a one of them acted on it. Every one of them, 
You know where they're at? My dad got saved. My dad come up in that. But my dad got saved. Hey, this is no joke. You're coming to an end. You need to consider the end of your days. Are you saved? Are you born again? Do you have a testimony that your death would be the death of the righteous? If not, you will die without mercy. You will open your eyes, just like that rich man, in torments. No second chance. Well, let me give the last one and I'll be done. That's in Hebrews 11. Some are going out through the door Mark died in faith. Some are going out through the door marked died without mercy. But there's a third one. Here in 11, Hebrews 11, look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, glory to God, that he pleased God. How did he do that? But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hey, <laughs> he, he went out through that door marked, God had translated him. I want to go on record saying, I'm in that number. We sing the song, when the roll is called up yonder. I'm in that number. When the trumpet blows, I know where I'm going. I'm trying to make plans. I'm trying to redeem the time. I'm trying to muse on how many days I have. Somebody said, how long are you going to travel? I don't see a stopping place. My answer is usually till I can't. Till they quit having me or I can't go. Or Barbara can't. I won't go without Barbara. She completes me. She says, I don't do much. I say, You do more than you think. When she was taking care of my mother years ago, I went a few places without her. And the next time we went back, she was with me. <laughs> you know what they said, Brother Stark? All them ladies come up to her and says, don't you ever let him come again without you. <laughs> He's too much to handle. <laughs> said, said we, don't, we don't want him here without you. That made me feel good. He might, I am incomplete without her. What's your whole point? David was musing. 
realize the frailty of life. Just a hand breath. Just a short time. James said, just a vapor. Just a little while. Well, I'm done. Here's the invitation. You're heading out. Are you musing? Where are you at if you left out today? Saved or lost? Where are you at? You're heading out. This could be it. God gives you a space of time.